Welcome to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Today, WBGO's Dave Popkin takes us on a guided tour of the American Jazz Museum in Kansas City. The stylish jazz club attached to the museum, the Blue Room, is one of the few venues in the district that still present live jazz and blues. We pay tribute to the legendary jazz performer Les McCann, who passed away late last month. We knew what we were going to play, but the band got there a day late. I'll chat with musicians and vocalist Jay Lenhart and Daryl Sherman about a special New Jersey Jazz Society concert paying tribute to the schoolhouse rock rates. Fishburne was the main influence for me to go ahead and write stuff. I mean, he didn't tell me you should write, but just listening to his stuff. And here's a jazz piano player who I played with a lot who's writing all these wonderful songs. And we'll hear why Paula Abreu loves her job at McCarter Theater Center. All this coming up today on the WBGO Journal. It's a museum that's filled with rare treasures and memories. WBGO's Dave Popkin just had to make a stop at a special spot during his recent stay in Kansas City. As the old line goes, jazz was born in New Orleans, but it grew up in Kansas City. So it was appropriate that in 1997, the American Jazz Museum opened its doors at one of the most important jazz crossroads in the world, 18th and Vine in Kansas City. The museum serves as a vibrant performance, exhibition, education, and research space. The day I visited, there was a wonderful art exhibit of Frederick J. Brown, featuring his oversized oil portraits of legends like Big Joe Turner, Thelonious Monk, and Etta James. While the museum serves to honor jazz as a whole, the importance of the city and the musicians that changed the music here is inescapable. My capable guide was the museum's senior manager of community partnerships and events, James McGee. Uh, one thing you'll notice in Kansas City is that there is a lineage and connection between previous generations. So, for example, you have someone like uh, Benny Moten and Bus Moten, uh, who had Benny Moten's orchestra. And then Benny Moten brings in Count Basie. And then Count Basie and Jay McShann work together. And then Count Basie and Jay McShann bring in Charlie Parker. So, you know, there's, there's a connection. So there's going from ragtime to, uh, to big band to swing. And then Charlie Parker being a younger cat, being like, you know, uh, swing is great. But we're kind of bored up here playing these tunes. You know, we want to kind of rip into some other things. And then you have people like him and Dizzy Gillespie and Miles taking that form and breaking out of those big band and swing styles and going to a more conversational form of jazz, which we know as bebop, a lot more intricate in the notes, really trying to use their instruments to communicate directly, individually to, indiv to other individuals and between uh, members of the band. The American Jazz Museum builds its story and collection around four cornerstone artists Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, and the aforementioned Charlie Parker. Armstrong did it all. Pops was a trumpeter, singer, band leader, entertainer, ambassador, and integrator. Wasn't just this country, Louis Armstrong and his band, when they were over in Europe during World War II, 
it was an interracial band that was propaganda for the country to say hey look america has all this stuff you know we got we got our problems but you know we can come together for this and that was kind of like a weapon for the u.s in that fight against the axis you know is they're trying to segregate and marginalize people we're working together that was louis armstrong just playing his playing his horn and and singing um but that was a very powerful thing you know, and we still use that to this day. When I'm alone with my fancies, I'll be with you, weaving romances, making believe they're true. Oh, give me your lips for just a moment. And my imagination will make that moment live. Mm, give me what you alone can give. A kiss to build a dream on. While Satchmo was attending the School of Hard Knocks on Basin Street, Duke Ellington was born to two piano players with means in Washington, D.C. Ellington had formal training, and after absorbing ragtime, classical, and other genres, created a style of his own with one jazz standard after another. His sheet music, U.S. stamp, and other ephemera are featured in the museum. The collection of Ella Fitzgerald memorabilia is perhaps the most impressive in the museum, from a sequined stage dress to a 1945 cover of Downbeat magazine, to her eyeglasses, to a Picasso sketch. Fitzgerald was a trailblazer in every way. I show you the endorsement aspect of things, how influential jazz was uh, and still is on culture. Uh, you see a uh, advertisement with American Express on her ma on the magazine. Um, you know, and just really even deeper than that, to have a black woman as the face of a uh, corporate structure uh, like American Express. There's different layers to that. You know what I mean? So uh, those are some great accomplishments that these musicians were able to make because of their creativity and their ability to express themselves through song. The stylish jazz club attached to the museum, the Blue Room, is one of the few venues in the district that still present live jazz and blues. It is filled with vintage instruments, black and white photos, and a mural honoring Kansas City's part in jazz history. Jay McShann was one of those legends. I knew Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. I knew Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some pretty little women, and I'm gonna get me one. No story of jazz in Kansas City would be complete without mention of the foundation. 
When you walk into the Mutual Musicians Foundation, which was previously known as uh, Musicians Local 627, you feel the spirits of the ancestors and everybody who came through there. The building was built in 1904 originally as a uh, six-unit apartment building, and it was purchased in 1927 by the union. The musicians themselves went in and renovated and did all the work to it to make a music hall out of it. So they would do the business downstairs and the rehearsals and things upstairs. And uh, it is now 2023. So, you know, that place has been there uh, and stands as it is in its original state. And, you know, there are not many places like that, especially when it comes to talking about jazz. Um, a lot of our buildings and our institutions in the black community, as we were talking about earlier, they were torn down. Urban renewal, all these different things. You know, you tear down the old building, you build something new. That place stays there. And the Mutual Musicians Foundation is probably the one of the single most significant pieces to the district that gives it that historic designation. Uh, the Mutual Musicians Foundation was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1981 um, before the World War I Memorial. So it's the first nationally uh, national landmark in Kansas City. And then it was the World War So that's how important jazz was and that space was to jazz as it relates to the rest of the world, that it'd be the first national landmark in Kansas City. Noticing that he piqued my interest and that I was not a casual observer, Mr. McGee produced a key and asked if I wanted to walk over to the foundation. Every major jazz artist that came through Kansas City in the last hundred years played there. Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie met there. It's not hard to guess my answer. The building itself is nondescript, but when you enter and walk the creaky stairs through the ancient Union Hall, the ghosts of jazz blow right through you. The American Jazz Museum and its neighbor, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, are well worth the trip. Express yourself. For the WBGO Journal, I'm Dave Popkin in Kansas City. live recording of Les McCann and Eddie Harris's Compared to What at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1969. The jazz world continues to mourn the loss of the great pianist and composer Les McCann, who died on December 29th at the age of 88. Back in 2009, McCann spoke about the amazing 69 performance with the late WBGO announcer Michael Bourne. This record that you made with Eddie Harris at the Montreux Jazz Festival yes. became this phenomenon. Well, God works in mysterious ways. There's no way to explain that. No, no. No, it's, it's on that record. And to get it on a re recording is even more unbelievable. 
Because this is the you were on a tour. You were playing gigs. You played gigs probably at other festivals. And, no, that was the first time we got together. That was the first time you yes. played. Yes, definitely. That, that is even more, more amazing. And we didn't have any rehearsal. Just Eddie and I rehearsed. We knew what we were going to play, but the band got there a day late. The uh, we didn't have a trumpet player. We had to walk around town listening to all the jam sessions, hoping we would find a guy to play. And we found this guy. Oh, that guy, he is unbelievable. What's your name, sir? He said, uh, Clark Terry. I said, We're going to make a record for Atlantic Records. And blah, blah. he said, No, I don't want to do it. I said, Okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> he refused. That's just the light version of the story. Oh, the light version yeah. of the story. So Eddie and I, we went on and we heard this guy, Benny Bailey, and the audience was going crazy, you know. So we never heard anybody play like that. Anyway, would you like to make a record? Hell yeah. And he never heard of Eddie and never heard of me. Wow. And we all got together, even to the point where when we finally was making the record, Benny Bailey, the trumpet player, is playing, and he's he, he's very nervous because he had never made a record before. He never played this kind of music, the way he put it. And the people are going crazy, and he opens his eyes because he's very touched as they like, and it's Ella Fitzgerald walking into the room. Yeah. That's what they were clapping for. They weren't clapping for him. <laughs> <laughs> So she, you can see her on the video looking up and saying, I'm sorry. You can get much more on the life and career of Les McCann at WBGO.org. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. In the 1970s and 80s, pianist, vocalist, composer Bob Doro was music director of Schoolhouse Rock, a three-minute vignette aired by ABC Television as part of its Saturday morning cartoons. Doro wrote songs about mathematics, grammar, history, and civics, with titles such as Conjunction Junction, My Hero Zero, and Three is a Magic Number. Through his connections in the music business, he was able to recruit other well-known musicians to get involved with some of the songs. Vocalist Blossom Deary sang Unpack Your Adjectives and Figure Eight. Figure eight is double four. Figure four is half of eight. If you skate, you would be great. If you could And pianist, vocalist, composer Dave Frischberg wrote I'm Just a Bill about the legislative process. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday, at least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. On Sunday afternoon, January 7th, Pianist vocalist Daryl Sherman and bassist vocalist Jay Lenart will pay tribute to Doro, Deary, and Frischberg at the New Jersey Jazz Society's Jersey Jazz Live concert at the Madison, New Jersey Community Arts Center. Lenart says he connected with the whimsical writing style of Dave Frischberg. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I must admit that Frischberg was the main influence to me to go ahead and write stuff. 
he didn't say anything to me. He didn't tell me you should write, but just listening to his stuff. And here's a jazz piano player who I played with a lot, who's writing all these wonderful songs. And, and I said, I'm going to try that. I mean, of course, this was in the area of, of uh, uh, Joni Mitchell and, and Dylan and, and Steely Dan and people like that, people writing about themselves, about their lives, not hit songs supposedly at all. But I really, Frischberg was the main, my, was the main impetus to my writing. Just, just watching him do it and saying, I, I can do something like that, maybe much worse, but I can, I can work at it. Daryl Sherman says she feels Blossom Deary is the connecting thread between Frischberg and Doro. I met both of them before I met Blossom. I got to know Bob's work best of all because he was regularly on Sundays at Iridium playing his own songs, playing standards, and doing his most famous and still popular work from Stinghouse Rock. Both Sherman and Leonard say the New Jersey Jazz Society is a wonderful community of like-minded individuals who want to see this genre thrive. Why do Daryl and Jay love performing together? We both know a lot of the same music, and she, she's a funky jazz player one minute and a beautiful ballad player the next. I mean, I, I think musical fun is the real connection for me. You know, I mean, Daryl's a great person to be with, hang out with, and uh we have a good time. Our, our rehearsals are the most fun. That, oh, that's where it all happens. That's where it all happens. Rehearsals, the, the performances, eh, you know, but the rehearsals. It's the rehearsals are intent. But I, I want you to know that when I moved to New York in the mid-70s, uh, my father was a musician, happened to be in a band in the Catskills with Cy Coleman. My mother was the uh, waitress who served the band. And uh, so there's lots of Cy Coleman stories, including the, the fact that my father said, you know, Cy had his eye on your mom, but I got it. Uh, but because of that, when I first came to New York, I went up to Cy Coleman's office, introduced myself. Oh, yeah, I remember your Sam, great saxophone player. Well, now he's a trombone player, Cy, but it's okay. <laughs> but I'm, and he asked people, why are you here? What are you hoping to achieve in New York? I said, well, the first thing is to get started playing and singing with good musicians. And I think I'll start with a bass player. Okay, picks up his book. He looks down and he says, okay, write this down. Jay Lenhart. So let me tell you something as our lesson starts. It is something that I hope you'll take into your hearts. So I'll tell you as we settle into place, it's impossible to sing and play the bass. <laughs> You're a lovely group of people you deserve the courtesy of knowing what you can expect of me. I've practiced, but it will not mean a thing cause it's impossible to play the bass and sing, 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 you see. The bass is fretless, it's not like a guitar. On bass, you spend your whole life wondering where the hell you are. My first real memory of the Jersey Jazz Society has more to do with food. They have the most wonderful summer jazz fests at Waterloo Village. I was taken with the famous Cantorino family, Judy Cantorino and, and Mike and sat on their picnic 
blanket, ate their eggplant sandwiches. I listened to all kinds of musicians, some of them I already knew. And from then on, I came to know some of these musicians and the people involved, and I got to play at some of their events. And my, my experience is very similar to Daryl's. I was uh, playing with a lot of people at, the, at Waterloo, and when that disappeared, I'm sorry to say, they, can, they continued on like stalwarts, and uh, they continued to promote jazz and hire jazz musicians. And I mean, they really, they really are determined. It's one of the most determined jazz people, the jazz bunches I've ever seen, and with deep jazz fans all through it, you know, and knowledgeable people, you know. And these are people that we've come to know, and they've become our friends and fans, and that's why we go to New Jersey to Shanghai Jazz yeah, yeah, yeah. or wherever they ask us. Uh, and again, it is kind of a communal spirit, uh, like-minded <clears throat> spirits. And uh, and uh, this this Sunday, our opening act is uh, some musicians, and they believe so much in carrying on into the future this music. So they have some very fine musicians who are a little bit younger than they are. Head. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing them. You turn the tables on me And now I'm falling for you You turn the tables on me I can't believe that it's true I always thought when you brought the lovely presents you'd bought Why hadn't you brought me more? And now if you'd come, I'd welcome anything from the five and ten cent store. You can see my entire interview with Daryl Sherman and Jay Lenhart on the WBGO Facebook page, where we talk much more about the New Jersey Jazz Society and its concert coming up on Sunday at 3 p.m. at the Madison Community Arts Center. Joining us on the WBGO Journal is now a familiar face to WBGO. She is the Director of Special Programming at McCarter Theater Center in Princeton. Paula Abreu, great to see you again. Great to see you, Doug. Thank you for having me. You were born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and lived in Africa for a period of time in your life. So you know about the global impact of education. You really have brought a unique and fresh perspective to McCarter Theater. After a decade of experience, the role of having curated festivals and presented artists with multiple major nonprofit New York City institutions, including Summer Stage, the Charlie Parker Jazz Festival, Lincoln Center, and the Red Hot Organization. Now that you've really settled in to McCarter, what have you enjoyed the most about your role? I feel after 10 years at Summer Stage, a few years before that at Lincoln Center, Red Hot, Red Hot Organization, all in New York City, and before then in Brazil, like I said, um, I feel that here is finally a place where I can experiment more, where I have more freedom to uh, take more risks, you know, in the curation and engage more deeply with the artists. We have the space in the theater, uh, you know, their rooms, the, the rehearsal rooms, and also many um, brilliant and very engaged faculty and students. So I find I've, I've, Think that I'm finally in a place that I can like 
exercise the muscle of being more creative and and with the my job. Um, so it's all very exciting. As you know, New York City is amazing. I miss New York, but it's all like it, there's so much going on. Things move so quickly, and sometimes I feel that like I felt there's an evening and summer stage that was epic. And I didn't have time to digest it because the next day and the following day I had different other concerts that I had we had to work on. So here I finally feel that I uh, I have more time to work on my craft of creating and and you know just being more engaged with the artist, which is great. I was just curious, you know, you're on campus at this prestigious university, and so you encounter students all the time, even though that's not your you know specific role. What has been the most interesting conversation you've had with a student this year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let me think. Well, I'll, I'm sure there were many, but one recent conversation that's really exciting. Um, you know, they have the student groups here in the university, and um, it's a listen. I've been only here, been here for one year, so I'm still learning. I think it's a lot to learn. But the student groups have always caught my attention. Like, what are they doing? What you know, they they do so many things beyond like the academic life. And this one student um, reached out to us uh, with a very interesting proposition. They were they were uh, they were saying, we know what the students, especially undergrads, right? We know what they listen to these days, and we know these artists that they listen to don't come to campus. How can we work together to make that happen? And to me, that was like the the gold, like the the gold mine. I was like, yes, this is what I've been asking since I started here. So, the fact that they reached out to us, interested in in creating this bridge and dialogue, uh, I think we're starting a new era here, at Macarta. Uh, we are established performing arts center, as you know, we've been around for eighty or ninety years, I think. Uh, World class venue, professional, but I think that the connection with the university, it's. It's only going to get better from now on. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's that's a great, you know, question and and a great partnership that could be developed there because uh, I know when I teach class, I'm I'm always learning from my students because there is that for me. There's a generation gap. <laughs> we talk about artists. I was just talking about artists with my with my students last night, and 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 some of them I had who <laughs> you know it's a, so it's a great learning experience yeah. but it's also a bonding kind of thing too they learn about the artists that you've loved you learn exactly. about the artists that they're, they're listening to right now we're speaking with paula abru who is with mccarter theater center and she once again uh, has been there for a little more than a year now as director of special programming and we're talking about the new lineup what other shows do you want to highlight for us oh well uh we have the blue note records 85th uh, anniversary celebration coming uh, in, in January, January 25th. And that to me is like a stellar lineup on its own, like has Jerry Clayton, uh, Joel Ross, uh, Emmanuel Winkins, Kendrick Scott. So it's, and Matt Brewer. So it's like, it's, uh, it's a, they're celebrating the, the anniversary of the label, but they're playing their own materials and also like some of the standards and, and hits of Luna Records. Uh, other than the Ayo Del Cassel, um, she's coming uh, February as well with live music on stage, tap dancing. Um, and I love the work she does regarding connecting the Afro roots of tap and, and tap uh, as, as, a, as a discipline in jazz. Uh, and we're adding more shows. That's, I would love to highlight that as well. In, in, in the spring, we're going to definitely add, we actually just announced Sarah Jaraz, 
um, who is coming uh, for the first time with her solo work. She was here before with I'm With Her. She's coming February 3rd. This was just announced. So stay tuned for more announcements. But uh, I'm very proud and excited uh, with the season we have now. When we talk about Rio de Janeiro, we talk about Brazilian music. How has that influenced you in your life? You know, it's interesting. I just went to a Carnegie Hall. I don't know if you were aware of this, but there was a Carnegie Hall Bossa Nova celebration. And it was celebrating the, the 60th anniversary of the first Bossa Nova show at Carnegie Hall with Tom Jobim, John Gilberto, all the greatest of Bossa Nova. And during the show, I was thinking, I mean, it's incredible that Bossa Nova became such a, a, a main export of Brazilian culture in general. But of course, there's so much more. But I think as a Brazilian, the music that moves me is music that connects with the with my mind, with my heart, and with my, you know, my hips that make me move, you know. And Brazilian music, regardless of the genre, there's so many different genres, Bossa Nova, Samba, Forró, like so many. They all they all have those three pillars and and i i generally connect more easily with music when they hit the you know the three spots so i'm very rhythmic like i love music with rhythm um like the rhythm that makes you move um but yeah so i, I and I, it's such, such a rich culture uh if anyone who is a connoisseur of brazilian music may agree with me or not but like it's one of the best music in the world like it's it's sort of uncontested both lyrically and the melody and the rhythms is all, all is very rich. So I'm, I'm a big fan. And I hope to, I, I definitely is my plan to bring more Brazilian music to more harder. How can you not love Paula Abreu, the director of oh. special programming at the Carter Theater? So full of energy, great smile, great personality, and great programming. We appreciate you joining us on the WBGO Journal. Thank you so much, Doug. You're so sweet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Join us next Saturday morning at 530 for another edition of the award-winning WBGO Journal. In the meantime, stay tuned to the world's greatest jazz and blues station, WBGO and WBGO.org.